Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. Thanks for staying with us. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. And as we get further into the week, we can't dismiss a very important headline that happened over the weekend. The U.S. Energy Department assessing that COVID-19 likely did result from a lab leak, a lab leak in Wuhan, China. And there's still a lot of people who are still undetermined on whether this is for certain. But it does bring up questions about lab security. Has this something like this happened before? And here to talk about this is uh, Dr. Benjamin Newman with Texas A&M University. Thanks so much for your time. And, and it's good to reconnect with you. And it's always around this topic with COVID. But I mean, this is, you know, um, this has been a, a continuing conversation. I think this is something that we also kind of forgot about that this was so big in the beginning and the origins and where the heck did this COVID-19 come from to begin with? It was huge, wasn't it? And yet, if you go back in time, we don't know where the original SARS virus came from. We have this great story that it came out of a civet, but the civet virus is about three years of evolution different from the one that jumped into people. We have all these outbreaks of Ebola in Africa. It's only anecdotally that you can connect those people to the bats, which we know are infected with very similar viruses, but never exactly the same one. That's just how it is in virology. We don't even have the pig that uh, spawned the 2009 swine flu. Yeah, <laughs> love to talk to that pig. There are, there are victims, but no smoking guns. That's, that's just the world that we live in. We're coming up on three years since COVID first started in this country. Is it really still important to find out where it came from? It's already here. Yeah. I mean, in a scientific sense, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> in a sense of uh, turning over the same rock over and over and over again, I got a pretty good idea what's under that rock by uh, this point. Uh, yeah. I think it would be interesting to know more about how these viruses make their way up food chains, like going from farm and to different retailers until you get to some of these markets. There have been a few studies like that. And all of those studies have found a bunch of near misses, like viruses that absolutely could have jumped to people, coronaviruses, related things, and we got we got lucky. And I think there are more uh, just from the fact that everybody every time somebody looks, they find uh, more of these viruses out there and more of these near misses. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, about. You know, you've been one of our experts because at the beginning of this, you joined an international committee um, on viruses. And not a lot of people, you know, know all of the researchers that have been focused on this virus, trying to answer these questions for the general public. But I think what was, you know, interesting was it was the the Department of Energy. Can, can you explain <laughs> that to people? Yes. Um, so the Department of Energy is this great big umbrella. Underneath that is Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, and they are actually running uh, some COVID programs, uh, government funded. So that's why the DOE. Yeah, when I first heard that, I said, what the heck is going on and looked into it. And it makes sense in that light. I think. Yeah, we've heard of, you know, the 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 um, COVID task force and like you like I just said, the International Committee of Taxonomy of Viruses. You know, those are those sound very scientific. But then when you say the Energy Department, that's not what you first think of mine is COVID. Right. You think everybody's entitled to an opinion, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it does sound strange at first uh, glance. 
one thing that had been getting kind of missed or not included in a lot of the stories is the fact that they use the phrase low confidence in yes. the question about this. What does that actually mean? Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. If I had low confidence in something, I don't think I would be telling other people about it. I, I, I Yeah. But um, what, and I haven't seen the report. Uh, the report's supposed to be confidential. And weirdly, it seems to be mostly leaked information that is uh, keeping the lab leak idea going. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Who knows what's in that report? But from the sound of it, it sounds as though it's more like an intelligence uh, low confidence. Like when you're in a situation where you have to respond quickly, where you have limited amount of data and you need to do the best you can at the time. And I think that's probably reasonable for somebody in that sort of community to do. I just think everybody else is going to pick up uh, this idea and run with it. And that's probably not how it's intended. I hope that's not how it's intended because science is here to do better than that. <laughs> I mean, you could get somebody who's absolutely convinced that the number 80 is going to come up on the Powerball this week, and they can argue down at the gas station with the guy, and you can say, wow, look, but all the previous numbers are between 1 and 69, and if they are dead set on 80 coming up, how do you, how do you talk to them? How do you <laughs> talk them out of that frame of mind? Yeah, absolutely. there's only facts and evidence, and beyond that, um, yeah. You know, we were talking about, you know, in the very beginning of COVID that we didn't really know the numbers of people who were infected with COVID out of China. A lot of we weren't sure if we could trust the information that was coming out of China. Yeah. With um, good reason. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and and also now let's just fast forward international relations you know have brought you know the 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 focus on china and the united states into the headlines again um when you're a part of an inter international scientist group how does that affect relationships and sharing information and and working with other people on something that can uh, be politically tied yeah that's a heck of a question on a personal level, no, you've worked with these people for years and they're still the same people. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some on the committee and that's fine. Uh, there are people from Russia on the committee. There's a Ukrainian guy who has an appointment in Russia on the committee. It's fine. It's a, it's a world where scientists talk to other scientists because we're the ones best placed to evaluate the data and who else are you going to talk to sometimes? Um, but on a professional level, yeah, you get um, uh, universities, you get states saying you got to cut off all ties with anybody over there. You can't talk to them, have a meeting with them, and you're going to show up at the same conference. You're going to have a poster there. <laughs> Do you have to tell them to politely avert their eyes? I mean, it's something that sounds like you maybe could do it until you actually think it through. And then, I, yeah, it's not really a thing. How frustrating is it for scientists to deal with stories that come out like this and it it kind of just re-energizes re the people that are that are seeing conspiracy theories in a, in a lot of what you're trying to avoid. Yeah, I I can say it takes a toll on me personally. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of them. Yeah. For so think it back through though. If this virus popped up in let's say Panama, uh, where we know there are bats but there are no bats with related viruses. 
or if it popped up in Greenland, which I don't think has any native bat species, then I'd want to look at like shipping records. Who's been sending what? I'd want to be swabbing containers. I'd want to be looking around. Are there any labs? Was anybody working with anything similar? And that would be a good starting point. But here we've got a virus that's kind of appearing smack dab in the middle of millions and millions of bats, this enormous population, all of which seem to have pretty closely related viruses. And we know that this virus has been found in pangolins, which are widely trafficked. I'm not sure if anybody has yet fessed up whether they were in the market. I've heard various you know, things, uh, pro and con. But in some of the other papers, we saw how, even if it wasn't in that market, the fact that they're all transported together on the same truck, virus can jump from one uh, animal to another. Uh, all you need is proximity and time. And when these animals don't come together in nature, but you bring them together in your store, yeah, stuff like that can happen. Definitely does. Your work, your type of work can bring, you know, um, research from anywhere in the world, right? You said these, you know, these animals can, you know, travel faster than humans can. So is the world still focused on COVID or have we kind of been like, okay, there's COVID and we still have all these other viruses we still need to focus on and kind of regroup? I think funding bodies are switching their focus away from COVID. Um, like, look at the vaccine situation right now. We've had this new XBB for, oh, since um, six months, eight months, something like that. And it's been the dominant strain for several months. They only just had a meeting a month ago. And right now, if you've had your vaccines, you're in this sort of limbo where you can't get a vaccine against the new thing because it hasn't been approved. It doesn't exist. And uh, there's red tape that needs to be cut for any of those things to happen. I think, yeah, we're in a lull. I think people that paid attention to viruses before are sure paying attention to them still. But yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, there are other things that go on in the world uh, more so now than maybe before. It's a story from an infectious disease specialist that it says, yeah, COVID is like the third major virus we've seen in the last couple of years. And there is a fourth that's going to be coming at some point as well. Some point. Last year, uh, um, as in the previous two years, COVID was the number three cause of death uh, in the U.S., where we have decent statistics. Even, yeah, <laughs> and last year, that was like a year after it was declared, you know, over, done with, whatever. It'll probably drop down to fourth or fifth this year if everything keeps going well, and I really hope it does. But that certainly doesn't sound like a problem that's gone away to me anyway. We're we're living with it, and people are tough and brave, and I like that about us. But that doesn't mean things can't be better. You said something about uh, we're living with it, and it's it's still here. Something that we've been living with and is still here is the flu. And most recently, we just heard about a new testing kit for both COVID and the flu. I'm curious, yeah. going back to the, my previous question about you know, the the lull, as you described, the funding, it, it kind of goes where the money goes. Did this spur up like a donor to say, you know what, why the heck can we not, you know, uh, test for the flu at home? Because we've never had this before, but the flu has been here for a really long time. It was a good idea, too, wasn't it? 
They're even talking about putting uh, RSV on there back when RSV was spiking. And that's a good idea, too. I think why you're seeing it now is because you had a bunch of companies get tooled up to make these little home test kits. And they printed a bunch of them and they got used and then they printed some more and they didn't really get used. And so now it's like, well, we got a machine that can do this. Yeah. <laughs> How can we make a product that the people will buy? Yeah. Or need or be recommended. Um, and I think that's good. I think that makes us safer going forward. Yeah. <laughs> that is Dr. Ben Newman, virologist and professor at the Texas A&M University. Thanks so much for your time today. We always enjoy speaking with you. Anytime.